Welcome everybody to episode two of the podcast, Real Underrated, Caring, Overrated. This is episode two entitled Ballers, Balling and Billions. I want to first off start by thanking everybody for their support on episode one. I know it's starting a little rough, but we're making changes, getting bigger and better as we go along. So thanks again for sticking with me. Got a healthy amount of listens. Definitely going to push the promotion a lot more heavy and try to increase that number. So tell a friend to tell a friend, spread the word, like, follow, comment, share on Facebook and Twitter. Same handle at Ruko Podcast, R-U-C-O-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. This is a platform to discuss anything and everything of relevance from sports to music to movies, current events, pop culture societal issues, growing culture norms, anything that your mind can think of, we're here to talk about it. It's not just going to stick to one topic. And of course, put all your feedback on the social media pages, topic ideas, topic feedback, comments, concerns, questions, anything that you want to do, please feel free to leave them on the pages as we are open to accepting any type of feedback just to make this show bigger, better, and greater for all of our listeners. And we appreciate it yet again. And just as the title of this episode suggests, we're going to get into a few topics such as Jay-Z becoming a hip-hop billionaire, the It's Above Me Now movement sponsored by Mr. Craig Brooks, and the outcome of the NBA Finals. Everybody stay tuned. We got a great show. Let's go. Okay, the first topic on today's episode is a tip of the cap to Jay-Z for becoming another person from the origins of hip-hop to secure a net worth of over a billion dollars. Definitely have to give him his props on reaching such a huge accomplishment, not only in his personal life, but in his professional life. Not a lot of people can do something for the better part of 30 years and end up amassing amount of wealth this large. He's been a trendsetter from day one, doing a lot of things that a lot of other artists wouldn't do, stepping out on limbs, trying new things, signing new artists, developing new sounds in his music. And that stretches out into his business acumen a lot of his investments, a lot of his endorsements, things that he does, things that he branched out and pulled into the hip hop world and let it spread back out through his influence and his stamp of approval, such as his own Reebok shoe, the endorsement of Armadale, Rockaware Clothing, Rockefeller Records, the label then Rock Nation, Rock Nation Sports, the partnership with Live Nation for concerts and sporting events, big arena, big ticket events, comedy shows. I mean, that's a whole entertainment juggernaut by itself. You look at the Duce that he and Beyonce push now. You look at him and Beyonce putting out an album together and making music together over the years. You look at everything this man has done, title. I mean, we can go on and on about everything he's invested, not only to the game, but to culture as a whole, not just our culture, hip hop culture, black culture. However, you want to kind of break it down. 
He's done a lot more than that to secure his legendary status in history, period. Not black history, not men's history, not music history, just history as a whole to come from where he came from. Doing the things that he did to making it to this level is definitely, definitely commendable. So we're just looking forward to seeing what else Jay can do over the course of what he has left in as far as what he would want to do, what he would keep doing, what he feels is new to stay ahead of the curve. I mean, to look at somebody who is a trendsetter, somebody who's always been ahead of the curve, somebody that knows that he is the standard for things going forward, how things have been, how things will continue to go. I mean, it's not easy just to tie your name to something and stay on something just to be relevant. So whatever calls his name next, I'm pretty sure he'll be successful at it. And again, the longevity is a big part of that. I mean, you look at us, you look at the unfortunate part and a lot of the people that came up with him when he was on the come up just in rapping alone. Some of those guys have are deceased a lot of those guys are no longer rapping or not on the same scale i mean you look at back in the day it was a rumored super group to be him dmx and ja rule i mean dmx is respected but he has his ups and downs you see what ja rule is going through from the public aspect in the public eye and then you look at jay like those are three different levels alone and just to see and say the things that you can't even say for other artists that were out when he was out and coming up when he was coming up. That's so huge. And for him to just know it doesn't start and end with hip hop is a big thing that just propels his success and his hunger. And ultimately his success at this point and his accolades and accumulations that he's garnered is, I mean, it's phenomenal. You look at everything he's done, even helping other artists and entertainers, not just with music, but getting their personal affairs in order, lawyer fees, helping pay taxes, help hire representation on cases and looking into things for other people, just as another human being able to help somebody, reach back and help somebody who's not where he's at. I mean, that's phenomenal no matter what you do. So you got to give them props. And if we ever figure out what's next, I mean, well, when we see what's next for Jay, I mean, I'm pretty sure it won't be something that shocks us regarding his success. He's really taken everything he's done to the next level and he's kept it there and he's become a high standard for anybody else who looks to do anything anywhere near what he's done and how he's done it so again to prevent myself from rambling tip of the cap to jay he's definitely doing his thing so hopefully he can keep being that role model he can keep being that source of inspiration to people who want more with a lot more that came from a lot less so 
we definitely have to encourage the people that are stepping out on a limb and doing different things that they never thought would work or something that they didn't feel that they belonged in because of what he's done for the game. So definitely leave any comments about things that you feel we could discuss in depth or things you feel like maybe he doesn't get enough credit for or credit at all for over the course of his career and his success. We can definitely talk about it on any of the pages and maybe work it back into another show. But I just wanted to touch on that while it was on the forefront because, you know, this is instantaneous gratification as far as knowledge and acknowledgement and respect. So just had to touch on that before it faded into the back part of the subconscious of the culture as a whole. So congratulations again to Jay. Next, we want to get into a topic that's been burning up the internet for the last couple of months. And it starts from Texas, of course. And it involves Mr. Craig Brooks, an employee at the Holiday Inn Express in Texas. Well, a Holiday Inn Express. And if you haven't heard, I don't know how you haven't or haven't read about it yet. The young man is a desk attendant or he's working the front desk, I should say, at the Holiday Inn Express when a woman tries to check in. And from what you can see in the video that he shared on his Twitter page, that he heard the lady on the phone call him the N-word, disrespect him over the phone, which a lot of people do to people in customer service, retail and what have you, then come to the location. Try to be all sweet and nice with them. And the man has already informed his higher ups that the lady was disrespectful. And they supported him in denying her service. Apparently she was in town. She had a funeral of a relative to attend. The rest of her family members were already in the hotel, checked in, staying. She was not able to join them because of her actions. Now, we can laugh, we can joke, and we can make memes, but the sad part is that this is 2019 and this is still going on. People are still throwing the N-word around in disrespect and in some cases fear, you know. And to see somebody stand up like this, not only not fearing losing their source of income and employment, but to have their company back them is tremendous. Um, this young man <laughs> did not get rude, disrespectful one time. He empathized. Anybody that's working customer service knows when you have someone with a complaint, you empathize, you reiterate their issue, and you let them know you'll do whatever you can to make it right. Well, in this case, there was nothing that could be done to make it right. The damage had already been done, and he utters the now famous phrase, it's above me now. He says that several times to the lady, she gets upset. She calls her daughter and whoever else down and says, oh, well, we're staying here. I'm staying here with my family. He then proceeds to tell her there's another hotel chain across the street that she could stay at, which is lovely. I love that part. And I mean, I can't say enough about this because the simple fact is we live in a generation now where a lot of people resort to talking tough when you can't see them face to face or you're not in physical arms reach and I'm not advocating violence or physical retaliation of any kind, but 
a lot of people have bravado that they would not have in a face-to-face confrontation. And for this woman to go that far over the phone, when the chances are she's probably never seen this man, or maybe she knows through her family that's already there that he's black, but for him to be so calm and never step out of character and handle that the way he did with the support of his company is amazing. You know, and you hear the lady grovel in the background. I've got to stay here. I don't have anywhere to stay. I came this far, blah, blah, blah. Like you really dug your own grave in this situation. And she thought it was okay. She thought it would be overlooked. She tried to apologize to his face because she needed something knowing good and well that if she didn't need to stay there, an apology would have never came. And it's sad that this is still an issue. You know, a lot of times we run into situations where a black person is the best person to help you somewhere. And it's not just white people. Black people don't like being serviced by other black people in certain professions either. It's it's a terrible stigma. But for a hospitality chain to stand behind, like I can't say it enough, it's A1, kudos to Holiday Inn Express. You know, they're smarter already to quote their phrase. It's, it's crazy how a lot of times people will get real rude and disrespectful and curse you out. And I understand they probably thought about the PR ramifications of this, but people deal with a lot worse in fast food retail, where people don't expect humans on the other side of their interactions. And they often have to comply because the person is causing such an outrage. Well, this man had the full support to tell this lady she could not stay there due to her inexcusable actions. And I support it. A hundred thousand million billion trillion, however high you want to go, I support it all the way. So, I mean, we can meme it. We can laugh at it. We can apply it to our own lives. But I mean, a lot of times you really don't have that patience. And for him to be calm and the biggest thing, he got enough of it recorded and put it online like that. That's great. We need to see more things like that. Please, if you are in retail or customer service, hospitality, anything where you have to service someone else, please, please capture more of these interactions. We need these. Because people love telling the black, quote unquote, black people in this country to move on past something, forget about something, stop doing something. When we're the driving force of human labor, when we're the driving force of influence and pop culture and things that propel the country monetarily, socially anything really we we've got the largest most influential force behind anything that happens i mean you see a lot of people talking about jordan shoes it's not just us buying them but you know back in the 70s and the 80s a lot of people weren't buying basketball shoes for style People were buying hats, regular hats, five, ten dollar hats. Hats are forty dollars now. Different styles, different colors, different 
things, not even just pro sports, like any kind of hat, turn it sideways, snapbacks, dad hats coming back, bucket hats. I mean, from anything and everything, headwear, glasses, jewelry. I mean, we drive so much to still get disrespected on a high scale each and every day, not trusted in our profession, looked down upon simply because of the color of our skin, no other valid explanation and it's crazy so i mean what what else can we do you see a lot of times uh people are recording interactions with police officers police officers are killing black people newsflash if you forgot they are things like this need to be recorded because a lot of times it's not as extreme there are cases like this but i mean the spectrum is so wide anything could happen you know, and it happens to a lot of people that are in the business of service, public service, not just protect and serve, but serve you with goods or serve you with services that are offered, especially out of town, especially for exchange for money or funds. I mean, and it's it's crazy that we still go through stuff like this on a regular basis people invest millions and billions of dollars in athletic organizations and pro sports teams still take pride in being called owners still want to call athletes overprivileged enslaved when they've been playing for free from grade school through college and they don't want them to get paid as much i mean the the disrespect has not stopped and it probably won't stop for a long time, but this, I think we need to document it. You know, I might be jumping the gun a little bit, but we need to document this in history just because everybody's not tolerant of the ignorance. Everybody's not going to accept something that's been going on. And we just need to make it a lot better for generations going forward just to coexist. Because I talk to people that are close to me or any conversation that I had, I, I don't think there's anything in all the history that I've learned that's more ignorant than demeaning someone just because of the complexion of their skin. That's the most ignorant thing on earth. Because there are white people who reside in the continent of Africa. And if they came here, they, they would technically be African-American. If they came to the USA, they would be African-American and you wouldn't ask them where they're from. You wouldn't ask to touch their hair. You wouldn't ask them to talk a certain way or do something else. It's literally the color of their skin and it's it's been disgusting from the beginning. So until we improve, it's gonna be gonna be a real, real battle. Just keep just keep capturing these instances, whether it's voice recording, video, social media, if that's the quickest resort, but we gotta get them. We got to get them and we got to display them. Any comments on this, definitely welcome on the Facebook and the Twitter Ruko podcast. And like I said at the beginning, it's not just all fun and games, lighthearted themes. It's going to get real on this show. It's going to get real. So definitely keep rocking and suggest any other topics that you think we might have missed or things that we need to touch on. But hey. Things like this, like really put things in perspective for you away from sports, away from music, away from fashion, movies, whatever. This is real life. It's still happening. It happens every day. Happens to you. Happens to me. Happens to somebody we know and love. 
and hopefully one day it's done. Now, finally, we're going to get into a recap of the NBA Finals. First things first, let's go ahead and get it out the way. My prediction on the finals went to the right amount of games, but the wrong proclamation of Victor. I'll go ahead and accept that. I did correctly predict Golden State would steal game two on the road. Just knowing the makeup of their team and how they play. But I didn't put anything on the predication of Kevin Durant playing or not playing. So I will own up to the fact that I just felt like the Warriors were a better team just because of what they've been through. I didn't feel like they had anybody to guard DeMarcus Cousins, and Boogie really didn't show up. Um, congratulations to the Toronto Raptors as well. And, man, just to see another team win, we already saw a different team from the East. Cleveland were – well, Cleveland was the Eastern Conference champs the past four years in a row before this past season. And Golden State really looked exhausted. It looked like all of those finals runs have really taken a toll on their team as a whole. You could see the coaching being affected. Uh, Steve Kerr doing a lot of things that you really question, which you didn't question a lot of. You just questioned how it worked so seamlessly. This finals, I question a lot of what Steve Kerr did with his team, and we'll get into that later. Kawhi Leonard is a guy that has to be talked about for the rest of his prime, at least, as one of the top three players in the league. Um, We can talk about Kevin Durant all we want to. Kawhi Leonard can basically score from any part on the floor. He'll dunk on anybody. He'll post anybody up. He'll shoot over anybody. He'll penetrate, create a vacuum for defensive assignments and leave a lot of his teammates open. And a big reason that Toronto won the way they did is because a lot of these open shots those other Raptors were getting from Kawhi, they knocked them down. Serge Ibaka, Fred Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry stepped up huge in this series. Norman Powell, Spicy P, Pascal Siakam, I mean, Marcus all anybody and everybody who touched the court for the Raptors made an impact. You didn't really feel like anybody was disappointing in this series, and they all brought it, and they needed it to beat this Golden State team, quite frankly. So it was huge. Um, we'll talk about the sideline shove for uh, Kyle Lowry. I can't remember if it was game three or four. Of course, it was a Warriors game. And here's a little rundown of what had happened. The Toronto Raptor guard was going after a loose ball. Of course, it went in the court side row. He tried to save it, fell on a couple of people watching the game. And this is where I have an issue with it. You have somebody that pays 
some type of money to be able to sit in those seats and not respect the players or the game. Kyle Lowry did not fall on this man that put his hands on him. Kyle Lowry ran over top of another gentleman in that same row. The man that pushed Kyle Lowry was a couple seats down. So he reached over there, pushed him off of whatever he was trying to push him off of to make his point. Kyle Lowry said something and the guy said something back. It was a stoppage and, you know, they got to the bottom of it. I feel like it should have been either a lifetime ban from the games or stripping his ownership or investment stake in the team, either or. And honestly, you have to show this disrespect the door because I know what Donald Sterling did. I don't compare the two, but if he got stripped for essentially speaking, you know, there wasn't any evidence that he barred black people from his games. He spoke. He had hate speech and it was recorded because I guarantee you, if you knew you would be recorded. You wouldn't say half of the things you say. That's just general life. And I guarantee you, somebody told him, hey, your life was going to be very difficult because we're going to record a conversation you had today. He wouldn't have said all of that. And he got stripped and forced to sell the team and banned for life from the NBA. Um, Like I said, these two don't compare. This is not as serious of a public offense but this is something to protect your nba players if a guy feels like he's investing so much money in an opposing basketball team that he can put his hands on a player not on his team he feels entitled and the nba players are the working capital for the league to drive in all this revenue so if you allow somebody to put their hands on a guy with a slap on the wrist and uh silly one-year ban i mean and and the way the roster is shaking out now the warriors might not even be in the finals next year so what what does that do keeps him from games he probably wouldn't attend anyway the man had on some custom golden state warrior colored nike shoes he probably never wears those shoes anywhere else but the warriors games it's ridiculous um If you really gave all the problems and all the issues to the players that you did in the Malice in the Palace for Detroit and Indiana, you got to give it to this man too because he put his hands on a basketball player and thought it was okay. A fan ran up on the court to Russell Westbrook. He got banned. Why can't we ban this man that felt the need to push a guy who wasn't affecting him at all? The guy that Kyle Lowry actually fell on, gave him a pat on the back like, hope you're okay, get back in the game, it's all good, I'm not offended. When this guy had nothing to do with the play, shoves him. I mean, it's very inexcusable. Gotta do something about that. The entitlement, and I know we're trying to see a new day where the word owner isn't used. They're trying to change it to some governing term for owner of an NBA franchise but that's entitlement that you get from an owner slash investor that he can just put his hands on anybody whenever he feels and it's ridiculous I feel like all the things that Adam Silver has really beat 
the curve on, he didn't beat it on this one. Like, either or, strip the man of his power with the team or ban him for life. And I feel like you can only ban him for life and let the Warriors strip him of the rest. And the Warriors weren't ahead on this either, which leads me to my next topic on the finals, these injuries. Now, we could talk about the Knicks. We could talk about the Lakers. We could talk about all these dysfunctional teams. Golden State is really trying to make a beeline to the top of that list. Kevon Looney reportedly fractured his collarbone or his sternum, something up in his chest. He fractured a bone. They let him back out there to play. He re-injured it, re-aggravated it. We all know what happened with Kevin Durant. Aggravated his calf, his leg. People suspected it was an Achilles injury. It was an Achilles injury until game five when it really was an Achilles injury. And you've seen the replays. You've seen him spread his legs out for that dribble move on Serge Ibaka. And you see that calf just snap and look like it rolls up. There is nothing more unnerving than seeing that. And then going into game six and the second best player on your team goes up for a dunk. He wasn't fouled. It wasn't a dirty play. He tears his ACL landing from a dunk that he's done many times in his career. And he came back out, shot the free throw, uh, Golden State's looking real shaky. Andre Iguodala did shed a light on a little bit of how these Warriors handle these things, especially these injuries to these players and their best players, and it cost them a championship. They really sacrificed Kevin Durant to win one game in a series that they were going to lose by one point. That's unfortunate. Now that man cannot play all next season. I don't know if it was peer pressure. I don't know if it was organizational pressure. I don't know if it was pride. But the man is injured now and he will not play. He tore his Achilles in the finals. The finals is the very last round of basketball. He was already hurt in the playoffs. Came back and got hurt again. He's not playing next year. Clay's not playing next year. Kevon Looney might not play to start the season, just depending on how severe and the impact of that injury is. It's three guys whose basketball mortality has been shoved in their face due to this, we got to win, we got to win and bulk up our money for the new Chase Center. These guys are still humans after they're done playing basketball. And they are convinced to get every drop of blood, sweat, tears, energy, and effort out of them and not treat them like humans. And it's it's really sickening. I wish all those guys a speedy recovery. It's definitely going to be a tough year for the Warriors. They got Draymond. They got Steph. But that's pretty much it unless they bring back Boogie. Um, Really tough, tough break for the Warriors. And... 
obviously with none of these guys healthy, they weren't able to pull off this big feat, which leads me to my next issue. Home court letdowns. And for a team that A, plays in a whole nother country in the Toronto Raptors, and B, a team that's playing their very last games in their storied arena. They've been in four decades in the Golden State Warriors. Why did they both let down their home team fans? That's a problem. Game five, I understand KD played. It was a little bit of a rattle. You lost by one point. So there's no doubt that's a game you should have won. I promise you the whole city was ready to celebrate. The whole country was probably ready to celebrate the Raptors winning in five, but they couldn't close the deal. They let one man play for 14 minutes, Terry's Achilles, and they lost by one point. That's a shame. I know everybody had setups for venues, parties, everything. Jurassic Park was going wild. People were going crazy. Nick Nurse and the Toronto Raptors could not close that door. I mean, we saw it already in the Eastern Conference Finals. They looked a little shaky on the road, but they couldn't close the door at home. That's a problem. Golden State gets beat down on their home court. They got beat up a lot this year on their home court. So I guess that was a sign it was time to close Oracle. I think the Bucks beat them really bad. The Celtics beat them really bad. The Lakers had them up by 30 on Christmas Day. LeBron got hurt. They still never really pulled back into that game. And then <laughs> to lose, I know the injuries are insurmountable at this point, but to lose your last game at Oracle, let another team celebrate a title in your building that you're getting ready to close? That's pathetic to me. Next NBA final topic, coaching woes. Oh, my goodness, the coaching woes. I know Nick Nurse is a first-year head coach. But it's some of these calls and timeouts and these substitutions. I could have done, and I never coached anything. I've always been a skeptic of Steve Kerr. I feel like he's got the Phil Jackson treatment. He stepped in the right role at the right time, and he reaps all the success. A lot of people say, well, you know, Steve Kerr unlocked this, unlocked that. Steve Kerr didn't do anything but tell this team to do more of what they already did. I'll give him credit for putting... Andre Iguodala on the bench, but that's about it. He's not a defensive guru. He wasn't knocking them dead in the front office in Phoenix. He wasn't even an assistant. He just got this coaching role. And a lot of his mistakes were very transparent during this postseason. The Clippers, with no all-star, took them to six games. There's no reason you can't make adjustments to that game, Steve Kerr. Nick Nurse in game five. <laughs> you call a timeout when your team's in a run. Your best player, arguably the best player on the floor, 
goes on a 10-0 run by himself. You slow your own team's momentum down. You're down one point with possession, eight seconds left to go. Why do you let your team dribble the ball up? Call a timeout. You had a timeout left. Call the timeout. Set up a play. Score so everybody can go home. I don't care if Kawhi stays or goes. I need to see huge improvement from Nick Nurse. I need to see huge improvement in his X's and O's and his play calling. Just for the simple fact that, oh, he's a championship coach, blah, blah, blah. No. He did not perform well enough in the moment. All eyes were on him. The finals, there's no excuses. It's only one other team playing besides you. You got to step it up and you got to bring it. And I don't feel either coach brought it in this finals. I don't feel Nick Nurse knew how to bring it. I feel like Steve Kerr gets too much credit because he doesn't bring it. Hopefully they can get something worked out. And one more, uh, I kind of touched on this, but one more topic I want to touch on in the NBA finals is player management. Uh, They bought back Boogie Cousins way too early. Highly ineffective. We're not going to talk about KD because we already did. Shouldn't have played any of the finals. If they can sweep Portland, (laughs) just go ahead and take that L. You weren't going to beat Toronto with Kawhi Leonard playing like he was. Um, Nick Nurse, I feel like he did a slight bit better. Um, Kyle Lowry, first game of this playoffs against the Magic in the very first round, scored zero points. Took seven shots, didn't make a shot, didn't make a free throw. Everybody was questioning him. He shot everything. He kept that confidence level up. He kept that same play time. And he was just able to blossom into everything that people thought he was going to be. Kawhi's low management over the season paid huge dividends. He wasn't hurt. He wasn't out on extended injury leave. He comes back in the finals. He's dunking on everybody in the playoffs, dunking on everybody in the finals, playing defense. He's doing everything he's known for. While on the other hand, Steph Curry's scoring 47 points because nobody else on the bench has a rhythm enough to come help him. We depended on Draymond Green as a Rockets team to get, I mean, uh, excuse me, not Rockets, woo, Warriors team to get a triple-double just so we could stay afloat. We looking at Boogie Cousins to have the same impact he had in game two where we were able to steal a game on the road as a Warriors franchise to have that effect again to help us win. It's a lot of hope. Hope doesn't pay the bills. It's a lot of questions, a lot of answers that we saw asked as far as the questions. We didn't get as far as the answers. And it's really, really, really something else as far as player management. I mean, even relationships in the locker room, practicing, chemistry on the court. Player management is something that every coach should be better at every day they wake up. It's it's a new idea you can implement to your locker room, to your guys, to your staff, to yourself. And I feel like player management was not utilized the most, largely by Golden State, but definitely by Toronto as well. It's just something that they both need to work on, but they'll both have a year, especially if Toronto loses Kawhi. 
Golden State already lost KD. He opted out. Man, interesting finals to say the least. So anything else that you feel I missed, you feel like you want to talk about, get off your chest about these NBA finals, leave it on the page, Twitter, Facebook. Fun fact, Kawhi Leonard is the first player to get a finals MVP and a championship in each of the two NBA conferences. He's got to be a Hall of Famer now. Stopped Miami in the big three in the Heat era. Stopped the Golden State Warriors, although it was a lot of injury assistance. He's a Hall of Famer. We can't fight it. Wonder where he, will he stay? Where will he go if he leaves? Huge questions to ask. But we're definitely getting ready to wrap this show up. Thank you once again for tuning in to this episode of Ruko. Definitely appreciate all the support from the first episode. Appreciate the support on this episode. Thank you for choosing to tune in, not losing to tune in. And what we're going to do on the next go round is hit you with a two piece. Episode three will be a two part dual episode one half is going to consist of coverage on the nba free agency trades signings new faces in new places re-signing who went where how much they got overpaid underpaid free agent pickups as far as people that are looking to make an impact and win a ring because next year is so wide open in the nba it's something i'm very excited to discuss the second part is going to be a grab bag. Like I said, this is going to be a platform to discuss anything. So I don't want to drown any other topics that may arise into the madness that is NBA free agency. So we definitely going to split it up for you all, give you enough content worthy of that listen. So we're going to go ahead and drop those together, looking tentatively for about the second or third week of July, just give NBA free agency a time to settle down a bit. Everybody signs, trades get locked in, people go where they're getting ready to go. As the organizations begin to prep, finalize rosters for summer league. So they're going to get the big dogs in order as far as their rosters and make sure everything's right, get the money right, get the players right and everything like that. So Definitely want to thank you again for the support. Keep the feedback coming. Hit me directly. Ruko Podcast on Facebook, on Twitter. Spacho underscore Stone on Instagram. Show all the love. We welcome the critiques, the criticisms, everything. So keep tuning in. Keep chiming in. And keep enjoying the show. Definitely appreciate it. Can't tell you enough how much we appreciate it. And we're going to keep this thing going strong for you. So until next time, spot your out. You all enjoy.